0: Welcome to the first cut podcast. I'm Rick Amon and this is your DFS preview for the Mayakoba golf classic. It's good to be back joining me as he does every single Monday, except for last Monday, Greg do is here. What up, Greg?
1: What's going on, Rick? How was your Thanksgiving? Do you have a nice little, uh nice little break, stretch the legs a little bit?
0: Yeah, nice little, very intimate with just our closest family. It was good. It was it was nice. How about yours?
1: Yeah, much of the same. Very very nice. Um, it, it was good to get away for a little bit. Enjoy the match from an entertainment standpoint. Um, but hey, happy to be back.
0: Let's talk about the match. What do you think?
1: Um, well, I think this may be a day for a, a longer discussion.
0: But I think it needs. I, I think it's clear
1: that it needs a little more. Right? You need. You need another PGA tour presence, my opinion. Um, so I, I, I not, like the entertainment. Did you not find
0: it entertaining
1: or did you just think it wasn't competitive? Well, I, I think it wasn't competitive and it has a chance to fall flat. And now you're, you're relying on just a couple of funny jokes. And so do we want to, is what you really want to do on a Friday after Thanksgiving is do you really want to watch guys just kind of ha- having a, a laugh? I mean, it turns into almost like, your entertainment is is comedy but it, you're there for golf so there's this strange kind of balance between entertainment and and actual play that we got in the match 2 and that kind of fell flat a little bit in my opinion in the match 3 um but that being said i i think there's real potential here it's just you got to get you got to get another pga tour player who's entertaining and and can play Th- these are the two reasons you watch something right it's for it, to um to enjoy the talents of a of a pga tour player players who are the best in the world and at the same time uh get it get a little laugh out of it so I, I think they need a little more but but overall i thought it was it was pretty good
0: I thought it was pretty great. Uh, Producer Jacob knows where I was going with this segment. So I could just tell that was the, like the easiest bet I've ever made and ever sweat was Phil Mickelson and Charles Barkley. And they just steamroll these guys. It's unbelievable. I know. And and they got into
1: their strategy right away after they won the second hole, all of a sudden they were off and running and they could let nickel. It it just, it became so much easier because Barkley was good he was really good. So it was wise by you. And when you break rules, like you don't bet against Phil Mickelson with three amateurs. And we talked about that. You don't,
0: you don't do that,
1: but if you do, well, you paid a price for it. So I, I I hope you cashed in nicely, my friend.
0: Oh, it was beautiful. Uh, That's why you loved it. Yeah, of course. It was the best thing ever. Let's let's talk Mayakoba. But before we jump into that, as always, the best way to support the show, leave a five star rating and review on Apple pods. It would be much appreciated. Uh, Additionally, I can see Charlie's in the chat. I can see Tokyo Swans in the chat. If there's any questions, now would be a good time to drop it. And I'll get to as many as I can when they make sense. Greg, Mayakoba golf classic. We are now up to, I believe, 132 players in this field because we have some Monday qualifiers. El Chameleon golf club has played host to this event every single year in its existence. It's a 7,100 yard par 71 with past palm greens. Um, I like this event. This is, this is like a low key. This is an interesting course, right? There's going to be some holes that look, feel like you're in the jungle. Some that feel like you're in the, on the beach. I think, like, I just remember this being a very aesthetically pleasing.
1: Yeah, it's a nice little journey through. I've, I've always liked the golf course. Um, the the list of past champions is quite interesting. I want to get your thoughts on this. You have guys like Brendan Todd, Matt Kuchar, Pat and Kazire, Pat Perez, Graham McDowell, um, going back a couple of years, Brian Gay, Mark Wilson, Fred Funk, right? Some runners up that you have Joe Durant, one of the most accurate hitters of of all time, Russell Knox, Gary Woodland. Um, you have Carlos Ortiz last year, Vaughn Taylor. These are, these, they seem to be accurate hitters. Are you thinking driving accuracy is going to be really important?
0: Yeah. So I, I run the numbers on this as I do every week. I compare every PGA tour stat uh, to the results of every tournament. We have great history here because it has been uh, held at the same course for like, I don't know, 12 years or whatever it is. So there's great history. And uh, the most important stat that I got was driving accuracy. And you can you can see that laid out in the winners and other guys who have had success here. Also, there were only three other courses on the PGA tour where accuracy was more important. So we're talking like, this is a big time hit the ball on the fairway. It's not a very long course, um, you know, be on the correct side of the fairway. And then and then kind of work it out from there. So yeah, I, you got to be in the short grass is, is seemingly the way to, to find success around here.
1: And, and it's a rare, it's rare on the PGA tour where you find that Correct. I mean, you, you could make an argument that driving accuracy, um, in terms of fairway percentage, I guess F I R is probably the best way to put it. That statistic is maybe the most useless statistic on the PGA tour except for this week, Um, maybe a couple, a handful of other weeks, but it it looks like it'll really be something um, that could be a telling sign uh, heading into these four days.
0: Yeah. There's very few weeks where uh, accuracy outweighs uh, distance. And this right. is one of them. There's like so there's like unique. six of them a year. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's jump into this. Ten thousand dollar range, five golfers. Justin Thomas leads the way, eleven thousand four hundred. Brooks Kepka flat eleven. Tony Finau ten seven. Daniel Berger, ten four. Harris English at ten one. Uh Justin Thomas is your betting favorite. He's six and a half to one to win this golf tournament. Uh, I have a couple other question marks for some of these guys in the top, you know, in the 10K range, but there, there's there's no question mark about JT, right? I mean, he's like clearly the best player in this field.
1: Yeah, he is. Um, but, but the, the course setup, what this course asked for may not fit him the way it uh, course typically does. And the reason for that, Rick, we've been talking about this for the past little bit, yes. he can get a little uh, inaccurate, a little wayward off the tee. And what's the penalty going to be like on this golf course? If you're, if you're spraying the ball and it's not that he just misses fairways, cause he is a long hitter. And the longer you are, the, the, fewer fairways you're going to hit but he hits errant shots and depending on when they happen i mean that's been the thing that has cost him victories it's cost him holding trophies the past couple of weeks so are we going to see that again this week well i I mean i don't think he's going to turn into a real straight ball hitter right so i i definitely have some questions and at his price you're looking for a win
0: so i i don't know if I don't don't know if he's the guy this week. This is interesting because, um, you know, like JT's game travels everywhere, right? From T to green, he's phenomenal. His approach game is phenomenal. But you're right. When he's off with the driver, it's way off. It's not one yard off the fairway. It's very much one of these very way, way, right. So that's, that's my only concern. Now, if he's dialed in and he's just peppering everything down the fairway, like it's no big deal, but I, I don't know what we, you know, what we expect for that. So I, I, I agree. I, I have some concerns about Justin Thomas, especially cause he's 11,400 um, you know, Brooks Kepka, I have questions about as well. I mean, he's coming off the fifth place in Houston. He's coming off a seventh at the masters now two good finishes in a row. When, when do we, when do we, if ever start trusting Brooks Kepka again?
1: Oh, well, there's always there's always question marks and concerns, right? and And he's been this way his whole career. There, you You've rarely gone into even a major championship and said that Brooks is the guy this week. he He always seems to be surprising us. so you know he has that capability. But I actually I don't feel bad about Brooks this week. I, I think he's starting to show signs of health. He's starting to show a little bit of consistency. The question is, is that just because it was masters time? Is he going to be able to replicate that? Um, this week when he's not preparing directly for a major championship, I think he had a tough year last year and it was, um, likely a frustrating, likely a disappointing year for him where he wasn't able to shine the way that he has the past couple of years on the PGA tour, largely because of injury. Now he seems healthy. Um, and, and even though he's not necessarily a a real straight hitter of the ball either, I trust him with the driver more than I do with Justin Thomas. And I, I also trust his ability to club down, I trust his ability to play smart. I know he played really well at the Honda classic a couple of years ago when Keith Mitchell won. So I, I think he can take uh, a shorter course and make it fit for him. So I feel better about him than JT, but he, he's still not my favorite guy in this range.
0: Is Tony Finau your favorite guy in this range? No, I think you got to go to the the next two. Right? Okay. Let's yeah. Let's talk yeah. about the next two. I, th- I think here's, here's the thing with Tony now I think he stays on brand, right? He's usually very good from T to green. Uh, his range of outcomes is not nearly as large as some of these other guys. I think, you know, what you're going to get out of Tony Finau. But is he going to melt down on a Sunday? Maybe. But the other two guys here, I think, are, are interesting. Right. Harris English, who we've been talking about for probably six months as the most underrated golfer on the PGA tour. And then Daniel Berger, who's probably like the other guy in that in that conversation. And, and Berger is even more interesting, I think, Greg, because, um, you know, we didn't see either of these guys at the Masters. They were the two big snubs that that we would say. But Berger hasn't played since Zozo. That feels like a million years ago.
1: Yeah. It, and it's an interesting factor because look, it's been steady play for a long time with him there. You're not seeing a lot of high rounds. You're not seeing, um, you're not seeing very many missed cuts yet. It hasn't been the stretch that we saw right when he came back from the layoff. So it's kind of evened out a little bit with top 25s and, you know, top 30 finishes on the PGA tour, but not really, um, not really contending the same way. So how does that time make you feel? to me, I think that little, that little rest from Zozo to now is a good thing. And I think this course suits Daniel Berger really well. He is accurate off the tee. Mm -hmm. Um, he's, he's great when he clubs down to, to long irons and and three woods. And I think he's also a great putter. Um, so I'm, I'm quite interested to see what, what Daniel Berger does. And I, I think look, is the price, should he be priced higher than Harris English? I I look at them as the same. So maybe you go to Harris English, you save 300 bucks, but it's a very, it's a very similar story, except we've seen him a little bit more recently and it went quite well at the RSM classic. So Harris English, I think is just a continuation of what we've, what we've been seeing all year.
0: As we get later in the week, we're going to get ownership projections. I would not be surprised to see Daniel Berger as the lowest owned golfer in the $10,000 range. We just yeah, I mean, I think there's just such a bias against guys who haven't played. You know, out of out of sight, out of mind, right? I just I don't know what he's been up to. He hasn't been playing. Also, he's not very sexy, right? He's not. He's not Brooks. He's not Rory. He's not. He doesn't have one part of his game that's so good. He has all all facets of his game are great. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I was a little concerned the last time we saw him. His last like four events were some of his worst like Tita Green events uh, since the restart, but but he was playing really really well i i i will i think that Berger is the type of guy who could win you like all the big contests because i think he's going to be like eight percent owned and could very well win this thing like that's that's kind of the yeah. way i i treat burger
1: he has the he has the game to i mean he won the charles schwab challenge which had a great field he has it, historic the, the historically good field that had right right and yeah. and he was able to win there so I, I don't think he's in a class where he can't contend and, and then you look at the guys that are ranked higher than him or would be higher than him in power rankings. And the, the course doesn't necessarily fit their style. So I do think there's kind of an advantage for a Daniel Berger here as far as um, the fingerprint course fit. It, it seems like this would be very fitting.
0: $9,000 range. I love almost every single golfer in this range starts with Abraham answer. It has Victor Hovland, Ricky Fowler, Russell Henley, Will Zalatoris, Joaquin Neiman, Corey Connors. Um, I I'm going to, this, that, that group of guys will very much be my core. Uh, I've, we got a lot of guys to talk about here, but I'm just going to start with this because Charlie brought it up in the chat. Uh, and it's, and it's Russell Henley. Uh, I think Russell Henley could very easily be the most popular golfer on the slate. Um, and, and my reason for that is when the, when this pricing came out, I was like, Oh my God, he, like Henley's 9,300. He's been phenomenal. Um, he's been one of the best iron players, if not the best iron player since the restart, he's been a, a, a DFS sweetheart. And and Greg, even when he was popular, the weeks that he was popular, he was still finishing. Like he was super popular at Zozo and finished fourth. When When you reward your owners like that, your popularity continues. I think he's the early Monday front runner to be the highest owned golfer on the slate. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, you're right. You reward your, you
1: reward the guys that jump on and, and the Zozo was, was, um, you know, I kind of thought that was a trap game, if you will. Um, it, it was like, me, okay, me well he too. just came in third. He, he, yeah. that last, the week before, uh, at, um, at the CJ cup kind of seemed like a peak and yes. I was a little cautious of it and he proved me wrong. Um, so, but the past two starts haven't been as quite as good. The Houston open, he was 29th. Um, and then at, um, at the RSM, I think he was like tied 35th or somewhere, yeah, somewhere 30 there. 30th, so look, yeah. it's been fine. It's, it's not a sign of like something's gone completely wrong, but I don't think he's as hot as he once was. So uh, I, I like Russell Henley here, but hearing the, the fact that you think he's going to be so popular, I'm probably staying away. Honestly, I feel like he's trending in the wrong direction it's not ruling him out. I don't think anything's broken. I just, it, it, the trend doesn't seem to be going the way that I, I really
0: like. All right. Here, here's the guy who's going to win the golf tournament. You ready for this? Abraham answer. <laughs> Abraham answer. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, it. It's we it's we have, Perfectly. Do we have to say any more? It's, it's a Dude, this. I'm so excited for this. Um, all right, here, here's a great stat, by the way, uh, be, uh, highest ranked or lowest ranked player in the world who has not won on the PGA tour or the European tour. He reached 22nd in the world, which you could look at and say, well, he doesn't win. Or you can look at it and say, the fact that you can even get to 22 in the world without the benefit of a win means you are consistently playing well everywhere, deep fields. It doesn't matter. And that's true with what answer has been doing. Uh, and, and we, we've been talking about this since president's cup. We've been talking about this since December. The dude is an absolute competitor. Uh, he's a perfect fit for El chameleon where accuracy, uh, Trump's distance. And he's played well here ninth, three years ago, 21st, two years ago, eighth last year, this would be not, not only do the stats, do the course fit, does everything line up for this, but the narrative of him being able to get his first win in Mexico, holding dual citizenship, like, come on, let's go Abe answer.
1: I almost, it almost leads me as you, as you run through all that, it leads me to believe (laughs) he's going to be very popular. Yeah, he might be, (laughs) but I don't know if I want to miss out on that because it it, it's all too perfect. So I'm a huge fan of that. Rick, um, the, the concern with Abraham answer has been, and this is a hurdle that Almost every player on the PGA tour who eventually wins has to jump, but it's the Sunday struggles. Now the caveat to this is typically the events you've seen Abraham answer struggle on Sunday has been um, the events in the playoffs, like the BMW, the tour championship, the U S open, he struggled mightily on the weekend. Now it's the U S open. It's, it's challenging conditions. I get it, but his performance is reduced on the weekends. The masters on Sunday, it did not go his way. So is there a little bit of a Sunday issue with Abe answer? I don't, I don't know, but if, if what I am, am kind of seeing, I, I think the majors is a, is another step. And I think mm-hmm. he's going to get himself into contention here and grit those teeth and show us what he showed us at the RBC heritage when he made a big move on Sunday. And he showed, he made a big move on Sunday at the uh, at the American express a couple years ago uh, last year, as a matter of fact, in 2020. Right. Made a big move on Sunday uh, in that round and, and showed me a lot. So, major maybe major playoff events maybe that's next level and maybe he's not ready for that but i do think he could be ready to to get it done on sunday at the mayakoba
0: all right if we've got uh hovland left ricky fowler neiman Corey connors or willie z do you want to take any of those guys i mean i I, i've got almost something to say about every single one
1: (laughs) yeah i I mean i love willie z i love what he brings to the table um it, he, his play has just been phenomenal and his ball striking has been phenomenal. And I think there's, there's no evidence that says that's going to cool off. He's done it in really big fields. He's done it on long golf courses. He's done it on short golf courses. He's done it in wind. He's done it in no wind. So to me, Will Zalatoris is just really good uh, all the way around. Um, Victor Hovland is the guy yeah. that really, So, so I love Willie Z and Corey Connors has been playing great. So and, and Maki
0: Neiman's playing for something larger than, than himself. This range is all I love. I love this range so much. I can't remember another like set of eight guys right in a row where I've loved as much as I love this one.
1: So that always leads me to the question. Would you ever skip the 10 K plus and try to get a couple of these guys? Yeah. This week I might. Yeah. It feels, it kind of feels like that these this is the range where all the course fit matches and maybe the name brand uh is down a little bit but recent form in this range is great uh course history is pretty good in this range as well um yeah. and and um and course fit is perfect so uh, like it it checks all the boxes in this range so uh, that's a strategy i'm very strongly considering so who would be behind abraham answer who i am with you i think he's the guy this week who would be the next guy I, i'd probably I want to say Wills Alatoris, but Corey Connors would be, would be right there. Yeah.
0: Or I think, I mean, you were walking down the Hovland path and I kind of cut you off. That's my bad. I mean, we can, uh, the the Hovland stuff's really interesting, right? I mean, he's, this, this has been the most quiet stretch of great golf that I can remember, right? I mean, he's got four top 15 finishes in his last five starts. And I don't know if we've spent a minute's worth of oxygen on him at any point. You know what I mean? Um, here's the big thing. So I was doing the math today. What is, what would you describe or what would Victor Hovland describe as his, as his weakness in his game? Uh, I would say short game, short game. It's hundred percent short game. He won, um, Uh, Puerto Rico. And he said, and I quote my chipping sucks, right? Like out of his (laughs) mind, it was bad. It was really bad. It was terrible. Okay. So only 16 rounds this year. So we've got a really small sample size, but he has improved his around the green game by 0.62 strokes per round over a half a stroke per round, which is, to put that into perspective, Greg takes him from a bottom 50 player on the PGA Tour to a top 50 player on wow. the PGA Tour. So if if he's plugging the leak in the worst part of his game, watch out because I mean from from to get you to the green, he's great. If he can fix the short game stuff, I I, I really I really like this. And and it doesn't it doesn't hurt that um you know we only get Paspolum greens like three times a year and uh Hovland's one on one of them at the Puerto Rico right. open. So right. i they tend like to be a ball. little more benign. They tend to not be as
1: th- past Pollen greens. You got to understand it's a little bit of a thicker blade of grass. So it, it tends to get a little sticky. They can roll really nicely, but it, it, they don't tend to, they tend not to have the, I call it like a trickle effect. Like you see at uh winged foot or Augusta national, many of the courses on the PGA tour where the ball looks like it's getting stop at, you know, a foot, foot and a half away from the hole and it just trickles. And next thing you know, it's six feet away. Hmm. You don't tend to see that, um, at a, at a venue like this. So it makes short game a little bit easier. Uh, it, it tends to make the putting a little easy, a little more benign. For the most part, um, now you got to hit solid putts because there can be a little grain. You get it offline early; it can it can get away from you. But there's less swing to the putts. There's less um, th- there's less going on in the short shot. So I do think that benefits Holland. It's great to hear because you watch him over a chip or a pitch, and there's a little bit of nervousness just watching. Oh. Oh boy. What are we going to get here? <laughs> oh and when boy. it's clean contact, you you kind of exhale. And even if it's eight feet away, you're fine. It's great. He didn't, he didn't, you feel like he might blade it into the bunker. So yeah. it's great to hear that he's improved that much. Um, Greg, I played Tory Pines yesterday. I saw. Oh my God. Is that place just the best? Like, can you just tell me a little bit about the, the scorekeeping method here? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, that's not my, that's not my handwriting. I don't keep, the, I don't keep it like that, but okay. the way that the scorecard was kept was uh, relative to par, which I would never do. So a bogey is a one on the scorecard and a double is a two, a birdie is a minus one. I guess it makes it easier to add up, but man, it, it looks, it looks ugly, right? That's no way. To yeah. Do it.
1: No, 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 no. If you're going to do, if you want to just keep track over under par, what I like to do is leave pars blank. You just draw a circle when mm-hmm. you make a birdie. You draw a square when you make a, a bogey. Um, now, shout if, out if to you're my friend butt- with the group where you might be making a couple triples. That gets a little messy. Yeah. But if you're playing with some guys are, that are around par, you can do the circle square map, but you got to just write in the numbers. I mean, just write, write in the real numbers.
0: That's, that's my buddy, Rick, who might be listening to this. So sorry, sorry, Rick, you're, you're in big trouble. Um, yeah, it was, it <laughs> I had was, to bring it up, right? It was phenomenal. I'll, uh, I'll have, I'll send you a swing. I, I got, I got big issues, but anyway. Um, all right, let's, let's rank these. Uh, I mean, the, 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 9k range, we talked about every golfer. So I liked where you were going about ranking these guys. So let's, let's keep ownership out of it. Let's just say, okay, you know, like, uh, in a vacuum here are my top three guys in this range. Where do you think you're heading here? Uh, well,
1: see pricing is interesting too. Cause yeah. my, I, I think I would say, uh, I'll, I'll do this answer Zalatoris. Mm. I'm going to go, I'm going to go all the way down to Connors and wow. then I'm going to go Hovland and then I'm going to go Neiman Henley Fowler.
0: I can't believe Henley. I mean, yeah. The, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but isn't it crazy that you can yeah. find Henley yeah. like the fifth or sixth guy in this range? I know. And I've been all over him for like the past month and a half
1: and everybody has, I'm not alone in that by any means, but I love his game. It just, it just feels like the trend, like the, the uh, path is cooling off a little bit yeah and I'm not a huge fan in this range of jumping on that if he's in the eight k range i'm i'm probably he's probably number one for me but uh he's not and doesn't
0: deserve to be i think he'd make my top three i think i'd go i think i'd go answer hovland henley uh Connors is interesting those four uh, top 25s in a row, three of them being top 10s. Neiman is the guy who was shaking off the rust, uh, from coming back from COVID on, on, at the RSM. Uh, I was going to say last week, that was two weeks ago, uh, shot some of his better rounds on Sunday, which I always like to see. I mean, this is just, it's just chalk filled. I mean, I I can't, yeah, it's a hard rank. It's hard to rank. They all look so good. And I I think they're
1: all going to going to play really well. So I don't think you can go wrong. Um, but I, I will say this, Corey Connors to me, On greens like this, where the weakest area of his game is putting the way he's hitting it right Mm -hmm. now. uh, I mean, it, it, it looks really good. That's interesting. That's a good point. Um, I just think it's a little easier. It's important. So you got to make putts. It's still important. Putting will be a factor. I just think it, it kind of levels the playing field on the greens a little bit. So we'll see.
0: We're going to get into some value here. We're going to go to the eight K range next, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up And we're back. $8,000 range. Carlos Ortiz leads the way, by the way, Carlos Ortiz won the last time he played golf, which yeah. is crazy. <laughs> and it goes, oh. it goes down to, uh, the, the flat 8,000 Joel Damon Patton Kazire. So this, uh, after we raved about the nine K range for me, this one's all right. There's a couple of guys that I, that I think are of note, but who, who, who stands out to you here, Greg is someone that you might be, you might be interested in. Carlos Ortiz, I looked at this the first time and I said,
1: Man, this is interesting. He's playing, he's playing pretty well. What did he do recently? Oh, wait, he won. Wa- he won. <laughs> and yeah, it's like he the most forgotten won. win on tour yeah. this year because DJ was right there. The DJ wins the Masters. It was it was it was crazy. Um,
0: so yeah, you uh, know why it was forgotten? Because the second that the putt dropped, Kyle Porter tweeted out it's master's week. The second that, but I don't even know if he fi- did he even file an article like for, for Houston uh, he was literally uh, over it. The yeah. second the putt dropped DJ just came in second. I think he's going to do really well at Augusta, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the headline,
1: Yeah, <laughs> which I completely understand, but, um, so yeah, I, but I do think Carlos is playing really well. I think the course fits him. Well, he came in second last year, so it's, it's attractive in some ways, but we can't bet the guy he won his last start. He's not going to do that again. Right?
0: <laughs> no, you know, I I'm kind of focused on actually um, the defending champ, uh, Brandon Todd. He, he's 8,700. listen, it, obviously it's a course it's a good course for him right he won he won here a year ago it's it, it not only is a place he's had success but it also in theory should fit him sometimes those things don't add up and it, this this does add up for him um and you can kind of and this might be a, a bad game to play greg where you just start writing off like, oh, he missed the cut in what Houston. He missed the cut or he missed the cut in Bermuda. He missed the cut at the masters, but he had that broken toe, right? Like I, I can write off a lot of stuff for a lot of guys. I, I feel like I can give Brendan Todd the benefit of the doubt uh, as your defending champion. he had the extra week off. If that toe was still bothering him, like there's just so much unknown there. And I don't think it's, if it's injury related and not game related, I'm okay with it.
1: Well, his biggest focus, I've had a chance to speak with him a couple of times. His his focus is accuracy, right? Being accurate with irons, um, being accurate off the tee. He believes that that's the strength of his game and the most important key to success. So uh, from a, um, you know, a, a course fit perspective, this fits quite well. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's a defending champ. Um, I, I just, I'm not sure if we're seeing, again, the trend going in the right direction. Is it injury? Yeah, yeah it could be could be, I mean, he played the week right after. I'm not sure if that was the right move. If maybe he should have taken some time off, but I guess when he did couldn't he, hurt When did he hurt it? Did we, do we know when it actually happened? I feel like it, I heard it happened, about it two weeks later. It happened like the Tuesday before um, the Zozo. I want to okay. say it was the Tuesday before. So it was re- in really close proximity. He got it checked out, had to ice it a little bit. Yeah. And it, that that's going to throw you off your, your practice routine. So it, it, it does explain some of the challenges. Um. And again, you're looking at at a a course like, um, like shadow Creek. It was really long. I mean, it played like 7,500 yards the first day and he shot 77. So I, that's like my mind went to, okay, the day, the course played the longest, he struggled the most, but then you had the toe into the mix. It's like, okay, well, he also had a broken toe. So that maybe had (laughs) played a role in it, but then we didn't see a great performance in Bermuda where you think it's going to be great. And so I I don't know, I'm kind of lukewarm. I I have questions. And I don't think I'm ready to to dive
0: back in yet. I mean, right. find, me, so find, where, find me somebody else here. Find me somebody else. Uh,
1: this is one I'm, I'm just curious to get your thoughts on. It's Billy <laughs> sure. Horschel. Okay. So Billy, Billy Horschel hmm. to me is like, I, I want to see some improvements, but I'm seeing a guy who's finishing between 30th and 40th every week. It's 30, 30th year, 38th year. It, yeah. and I'm just wondering, is he going to pop at some point or is this just Bill? Is this what, what Billy Horschel is right now? You don't really see much in the statistics, but it, that name just kind of rings out to me for, for some reason. So I'm wondering with him, but I have questions, but you know who it is, Rick, the real, the guy that really jumps out at me. Who's that? My favorite. he has been one of your favorites of late lefty, uh, safest pick in the draft, Brian Harmon.
0: Brian Harmon missed the cut last week, first time in like twelve starts or something like that. You're ready to forgive and forget.
1: Do you, don't you think that's a great sign? It's like the streak is over. He he he's free now. Um, it Yeah, we said up. that
0: about. Okay, you know you know what Morikawa missed the cut and then he won. Was workday work the next week? Yeah,
1: yeah. So I'm it's wondering free. maybe maybe there's something there again. Another really accurate hitter of the ball. Like the this if you look at this past champions list. And you put you put Brian Harmon's name in there. It would make sense mm-hmm. Anything to it, or or is that just do you think that
0: ship has kind of sailed? I like it a lot more than I like Billy Horschel to be quite honest okay. with you. All yeah. All right. So, I can go with that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm cool with that. I, I also like the, the buy back in on not only a guy who like has now missed one cut in his last 12 starts or whatever, but he's a seasoned vet. Like that doesn't bother him one single bit. Right. He's going to get right back to work. He's going to go out there and do whatever. Like I'm all good with buying back in on Brian Harmon there. Um, Brandon in the chat brings up Emiliano Grio who is someone I think we should talk about. Yeah. Average finish at this event, 18.8. Best average finish of anyone who has played at least three times. So, Grillo's gone 10th, 9th, 15th, 41st. Brandon uh, harkens back to a point that you brought up, Greg, which is um, the, the putting, which is clearly the issue. Like, Grio stays on brand. Maybe the Paz greens help a bit. They could. The
1: worry for me with Grio um is there's too many high numbers right he he sure. just has this way of of going out there and shooting like like and it's not just Houston he he shot 80 75 at Houston it doesn't make me feel great but um in Bermuda he shot 66 then three rounds in the 70s uh you got another uh, another 72 at the Shriners, 72 71 in the middle of the Sanderson Farms you got a 73 uh on Sunday at Punta Cana 73 on Sunday at the Safeway open. So there's just, there's always these one or more rounds that seem to derail his chances. And I, I think that comes from a flat, putter, a, a flat putter. And when the putter goes flat in an event like that, you're going to have to make birdies out here. And if it yeah. goes flat for a day, you're done, right? Your chances are done. So the question with Grillo is when is that going to happen? Does it happen Thursday, Friday? Well, he may miss the cut. If he does that, if it happens Saturday, he may still get you a great finish. So I I have concerns about that because the, like Brian Harmon doesn't have that kind of volatility. He's going to go out there and he may get hot one day, but you're not going to see him shoot 80. You're not going to see him shoot 80, 75. Um, So uh, I don't know. I I feel like there's a little bit of risk with Grillo and I'm not crazy about it. Um, but I knew he would come up. He's a very, very popular
0: name there. But what do you think about Joel Damon? You know, he was, do you remember before the shutdown, he was just like him and Max Homo were great. You know, they were piling up top twenties all over the place. They were, they were, you know, and especially for, for, for fantasy purposes, they were cheap. They were putting up results. I was, I was loving it. Um, He's trying to get back into that form and, and we're starting to see a little bit of it. I mean, he finished eighth at Zozo, a little bit more disappointing at RSM. I think he was like 50th, uh, but he has good history here. He's made the cut in all three trips. So I'm, I'm turning the corner. I'm getting lukewarm on, on Joel Damon. If he's going to get back to that pre shut down stretch where he's like a top 25 lock, especially in fields like this, where he kind of should be like, that's, that's good. I, I wouldn't mind being a little bit early on, on Joel Damon than being a little bit late.
1: Yeah. yeah. He feels like, a, uh, he feels like a guy you want to go early for here. Yeah. Um, especially because there's still, there's a little trend in the right direction. Right. I mean, the, the Zozo went really well for him. Um Hang on one second. I just, yeah. Yeah. RSM was a downtick, as you said, but the Zozo has me feeling really, really good about it. And I like how many fairways he hits. He it's almost 68% of his fairways, which is um, inside the top 50 on the PGA tour. Uh, and he also hits a lot of greens, um, nearly 71% of his greens. So those, those things kind of make me feel like it's a Joel Damon kind of a fit. And I like the price. I think the results at the RSM give him this price. So I, I think that was kind of a hiccup in the road of a guy who's getting ready to get back on the right track.
0: We're going to jump down to the seven K range. There was a couple of just like random guys commented in the chat. I mean, Sebastian Munoz, uh, we both like, but he doesn't hit, a, he doesn't hit a lot of fairways, which is yeah. kind of concerning around here. Yeah. He, he's like outside of the top 90th, 90 in, in both the last two years in in, in driving accuracy. And then Charles, how the third was the other guy. That's just like, I think he's fine. I just don't like, I, I think his upside's pretty capped. I, I don't, I don't think he's, I don't think he like rarely ever wins this golf tournament. You know what I mean? If you need a
1: really safe play and just a guide, like if you're taking a lot of risks in your lineup and you just feel like you need an anchor is probably the wrong word, but you need a cut maker. Then I think Charles Howell the third would be a great play. Um, But I agree. I think the win equity is really low. I I prefer Joel Damon to, to either of those players.
0: 7k range. Alex Noren, Scott Piercy lead it off at 7,900. It goes all the way down to a handful of guys at 7,000, including Bryce Garnett, Camilo Vijegas, Harry Higgs, Henrik Norlander, Patrick Rogers. A uh, couple of names here for me, Greg, uh, HV3, 7,800. So this is so weird since, uh, the start of 2021 season. Uh, no, I am pretty sure HV three has been the best guy in the, in the entire field in, in strokes, gained T to green. It just doesn't feel like it because he's kind of done it in a weird way. He went 13th miscut 15th miscut. And then you look at his results in Mayakoba, and it was fifth miscut sixth. 58. So, I mean, if you're just playing the, every other trend, like he's going to, he's going to finish third this week. Like that's what he's, that's what he's going to do. Um, I'm surprised he's this volatile for how good his T to green is.
1: Yeah, it is. It's disappointing. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't like to come down hard on players, but I, I feel like where, where Joel Damon, I feel like is where he belongs. Like he's, he's giving us what we expect to see from him with Harold Varner the third, I feel like it's an underperformance because his talent is so high and we've seen this inconsistency that I, I felt heading into this season. I felt like this was a time where he could really, um, kind of come out of a shell and become a steady, consistent force on the PGA tour. But that hasn't been the case, right? It's been that inconsistent volatility. And I don't like playing the every other game. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, the pattern is nice. It's attractive. It looks great. But those things always have a, a way of ending the week that I decide to jump on the pattern bandwagon. So yep. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little cautious about that one.
0: Uh how about the other names that kind of stuck out to me Doug Gim, he's 7400 he's got four top 25s in his five starts this season uh striking the ball well i think he's one of these young guys who's starting to figure out his place on the PGA yeah. tour you've liked him all year yeah and he's been and he's been great and any and i like and i don't know if there's anything to this i'd have to run the numbers on it or get into every single player's brain but like you know he shoots his best round of the week on Sunday uh, at the RSM again, it wasn't last week. Sometimes they find something. Sometimes they have a, a swing thought. Sometimes they can carry it over for a couple of weeks. I like to see it. Uh, and then yeah. I'll give it, I'll give you the guy at 7,000. Uh, Camilo Vigegas is, is, is very easy to understand what's going to happen here. If he can putt, uh, he's going to contend. Now that might be a big ask for a guy who has been very, very terrible putting outside of the RSM, but his ball striking has been phenomenal this season. It is just a matter of, of if he's going to be the worst putter on the tour, which is essentially what he was this season before the RSM, or if he's going to gain one stroke and he's going to put himself on the first page of the leaderboard.
1: Yeah, he could have won. He could have won um, at the RSM. He was right yeah. there. A couple mistakes on the second nine kind of took him out of contention. But uh, I like Camilo. He's playing great. And and there's one area where if you're expect, you're hoping for volatility to go in your favor, putting's the place to do it. Um True. And again, it's not like it's been. Emiliano Grio kind of consistently bad where I don't there, there's a possibility of an there's a little life in there after the RSM so maybe he found something on the greens and is feeling good about it so I love the ball striking I love his accuracy I think he is um, a, a great play the guy that sticks out to me and there's two one of them's a little bit higher up at 7,700 it's Ches Revi. Mm. Um, and now, now Ches Revi is a little bit off brand for me in that he missed the cut at the RSM. So yep. I, I like guys that are trending in the right direction, um, but he was T twenty nine at the Masters. Uh, he did have a T three uh, T third back in back at the Safeway Open at the beginning of the year, and I feel like this course is where Ches Revi becomes home. Like this is where he has an opportunity <laughs> to really shine. Now you would like to think the RSM is a similar circumstance where he could do really well there. It didn't happen for him, but I may take a chance with the Ches Revi, a guy who's amongst the most accurate players on the PGA Tour. Fourteenth um, this year, seventy-two percent of his fairways hits a lot of greens again. Seventy-two percent of his greens, both of those things I think bode really well for him. So I am um, willing to go against the grain with the the recent form preference that I have and go with a guy like Ches Reavy because the stat model is so, so hot. What What are your thoughts on that? Uh,
0: Yeah, I think you're going to get him in a really good number. And he ha- and not only, so you mentioned like he hits a ton of fairways and that is not only the case recently, like th- that's been his story for like 10 years. Like the yeah, guys forever. constantly in the fairway, right? That's like all forever. he does. Uh, and, and there's five or six courses uh, that we kind of mentioned where these guys get a much bigger edge. So that kind of leads me to, uh, the other guy, we have another guy in this field, Greg, who won in his last start. And it's, it's Brian gay. Uh, you know, he wins Bermuda and and I have a feeling, this is what I'm afraid people are going to do. And I, I don't know if this is going to happen where it's like, Oh, well, this is one of the five or six courses that Brian gay can contend at because it's short and you got to be in the fairway. But like, I, I got to tell you, Brian gay is entering like Jim Herman range of just like popping up crazily once every 25 starts. I mean, he's, I don't, I don't know what to do with him. I love the guy, right? What's the the evidence he's going to put it together for another week. I mean, in his last 20 starts, 20 starts, he has one, one top 25 happens to be a win and he's missed the cut in 15 of those 20. Is there any evidence whatsoever? He's going to have a second good week in a row. Well, it's just that,
1: you know, maybe you found something, right? He just won. So what happens after that? I don't know. Is is that an exhale? Are they back to the drawing board? That's the funny thing about this event, right? If you, if your last start was at Bermuda and you've been working on, I mean, um, I had a chance to talk with his coach, um, Joseph Mayo, and he was talking about how much distance Brian Gay has gained which is um, quite a bit, quite a bit of clubhead speed over the past couple of years, which is remarkable. It's just been enough for him to, to compete and he finally wins again. So if you're looking at your schedule and you know, you you got my which is a great course fit for you. Um, are you going to go play that? Is that, is that intermediate? Is that getting in the way of your, your next project kind of, or the continuation of the distance gain, or are you kind of keeping in that peak season form? So that's where my question marks come with with Brian. I don't know what, what, what guy we're going to see. I don't know if he's going to get back to the drawing board. Cause now not only do you have this three weeks off after this tournament, right. And then you go to century tournament of champions, which is not a great place for him. No, um, but, but you all, you, you have like three years now. He basically has three years on the PGA tour where <laughs> he's exempt. And so he can build for the future. I imagine he will be a PGA tour champions player. Like he can really, grind out some distance here and i don't know if the project has started yet and that's where but i know there's one come like i I think there's going to be a continuous process for him and i don't know what stage of that process he's going to be at so i i I tend to shy away i think i stopped you on your other 7k guy did you yeah yeah top of the board scott piercy oh he's Um, got good course history right Scott Piercy has yeah. great recent form as well. Yes, he does. Okay. So uh tied 19th at Shriners, tied 14th at Bermuda, tied 32nd in Houston with a bad Friday round, one, one bad round of 74, uh, and then tied 18th at the RSM. And he all, I mean, he had that 74 at the Vivin Houston Open, but everything and 172, nothing else has been above 70 um in in that stretch of like 16 rounds. So the form has been, and, and the form has been really strong. Uh, what I like about him, he, he was off the radar last year. So you get kind of good pricing on him, but he's getting back into what he does really well, which is he's a really solid iron player. He's accurate off the T2, over 60% of his fairways, but he's hitting over seven, uh, just under 71% of his greens. He's 47th approaching the green, 40th, Tee to green, um, he's sixty fifth off the tee. So I, I I feel like this is going to be another good week for Scott Piercy to keep this momentum rolling.
0: Okay, um, we'll go quick on the six K guys. I'm not super thrilled with a lot of these. I mean, there's the Brian Stewards of the world. If you just want your short, accurate hitters who have finished in the top ten here, Stewart finished ninth in 2018. He finished 23rd last year. Um, the names that move me the most. I would probably start at West Bryan. I think is interesting. So hasn't played since Bermuda missed the cut there. The, the style of golf that he plays, which is good ball striker and ability to get hot with the putter is a good combination at resort courses, uh, especially if the wind starts to blow. So that's part one. And then we are getting, uh, an Andy Ogletree sighting this week, sixty seven hundo. Yeah. Mr Mr first pro start. Um I don't know what to expect. I have no idea. He's he actually did did you know this? He played 3 uh he played 3 PGA Tour events in the restart. Did you know that?
1: Yes. Uh it which has oh. been okay. great for him. <laughs> well, then I'm yeah. an idiot. Well,
0: I, no, no, you're,
1: <laughs> it, um it's just an it's a nice pro pro debut for him. Yes. And he, and there seems to be this Um, some momentum for guys making their debut. He's got to be looking at, well, one, what, what happened in Augusta, Georgia was really special to him. And that's got to give you a little bit of confidence, but, but beyond that, you have the players before you that have come out and used their um, sponsors exemptions to earn PGA tour cards. I think there's a hunger there. And I think there's a belief that these kids are ready to compete and yeah, for Andy Ogletree, I think it's got to be the same thing. Like it, he's got to be feeling like he can really go. Um, and and this isn't just, well, I'm happy to be here. This is let's go, let's go earn your PGA tour card. Cause you, you feel like you can do that. And um, and each start is very important. So I, I expect it to be a, a pretty good week for him. I'm looking forward to seeing it.
0: He, yeah. So, so am I. Um, So I think this kind of goes into what you were mentioning earlier, which is like, if I'm staying away from the 10 K range, I'm not sure yes. how deep I have to go down here, but you're exactly right. But if I do, I mean, is there anybody that you're have any level of confidence? Well, with? I like the Wesley Barron thing because it's
1: saying, Hey, let's, uh, if you're going to go, if you're going to go down, let's go way down. Right. The other guy that I I guess I I, I don't know. There are two players that peak my, they kind of make me raise my eyebrows. Chris, uh, Christopher Ventura. Yeah. The form just hasn't been great. So, you know, you're going to be missing something when it comes down, when it, when it gets down to this range, but I feel like he, I, I feel like his game should do pretty well. He's a great putter, which I like. Um, he's pretty good off the tee, more heavily weighted towards distance, but I, I just feel like there's some pretty good talent there. The other guy, and this is purely on on fingerprint and style of play is Brendan Steele. But again, the form hasn't been great for him, but he's Brendan Steele and his career has been an excellent driver of the ball cool like a, a really really solid driver of the ball and it hasn't really shown up this year but he he is hitting 63 percent of his fairways which is 82nd which is is actually pretty good especially because he averages 300 yards off the tee and he mm-hmm. hits a lot of greens 70 percent of his greens he's just I, another one of these guys that is struggling on the greens so pass pal is it gonna is it gonna work i i don't know but they pique my interest just a little bit but i i, I do kind of like the wesley bryan Um, volatility that you're going with down there
0: here, here's, here's, uh, the, 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 comparison I'll, I'll leave us with, because I think there, this, this name came up in the chat and, and I think this is a good example and kind of the same way. Wesley Bryan is, is, is Cam Percy, right? Cam Percy's game is approach and putting. I think if you're going to find uh, types of profiles that pop, it's that profile and you see it, you know, he finished eighth in Punta Cana 26th in Bermuda, he misses a lot of cuts, but like, that's the profile of guys that pop compared to a Hank Lebiota, for example, who's like, a short game specialist. That that's it's right. just harder to pop that way. When you're like what do you got right. like, you got to like chip in or whatever like it's just it's just harder. And 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 I think when you're down in this range uh, we're throwing a lot of darts you should be looking for guys that profile well that if everything goes right for them there's a top 10 in there somewhere.
1: Right. Well, and that's part of the challenge because a lot of these guys are shorter hitters like the profiles of shorter hitters Accurate hitters. Yeah. Tend not to pop very much. So when I get into this range, a lot of what I'm looking for is guys that hit a lot of greens because it just leads you to believe that, hey, they, they can get hot with a putter and they can give themselves a lot of opportunities. And it likely typically guys that hit a lot of greens are somewhat accurate off the tee. Um, they're at least not hitting it into the woods very often. So that's something that I look at down in this range is, is greens of regulation. But I mean, again, if you're throwing darts like Brendan Steele, they got to be above that 70% mark. Um, in my opinion.
0: Greg Ducharme, glad to be back at it again with you, my man, we're going to, we're going to have plenty of stuff coming, right? This is, this is not the end yep. of the first cut uh, until January. We're going to pretty plenty of good stuff coming.
1: Absolutely. And I can't wait for all of it. These are, we've had all these conversations kind of billow up and, Oh, that's a conversation for a different day. (laughs) But with our schedule and with the PGA tour schedule, that that different day doesn't come around very often, but the time's finally here. So, um, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to some of these, these
0: conversations we'll get to have. I hope we've been taking notes on all the things that we're like, Oh, this is a bigger conversation for the off season. Hopefully we've been taking notes on that. Um, Megapod, mega preview pod back tomorrow that's tuesday uh for the mayakoba classic greg ducharme is available for all your tweets at the real gfd send him all your fun stuff you can find me at rick run good this has been the first cut catch you next time